You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that this hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around them. Him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am going to do, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but it is entirely clean, and you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for this is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. May your words be always on my mind, quick to my lips and forever in my heart. May your words be always on my mind, quick to my lips and forever in my heart. Amen. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Church, you can have a seat. Good evening. It was the same night, separated by over 1,400 years. 
Something special about it. It had been sealed and seared into their memory forever as the greatest event of God's rescuing love for his people. The night in Egypt, it began with this great, with this great rescue from Egypt, began just in the same way that this night in the upper room began with the promises of God and their, his deliverance of his people. It's the same night. The Exodus, the Passover, and this upper room. The same night, separated by 1,400 years. This is the same night, friends, that comes to meet us even now, 2,000 years later. If you have the eyes of faith to see it, the Passover, the upper room, has come to meet us this evening, 2,000 years later. Tonight, we begin God's great rescue once again, and witness his great love for us, for ourselves. We get to see this and witness this. Let me take us back first to that first night when we were in Egypt, where God's people were enslaved and under this harsh rule, this oppressive rule, this abusive rule of Pharaoh over God's people. One evening, God told his people to prepare a meal of roasted lamb and unleavened bread. Because they didn't have time to let the bread like literally rise. They didn't have, this was fast food before we had fast food. You're going to eat in haste. For the Lord was going to pass over his people and salvation was underway. Their deliverance was underway. God was going to deliver those people whose homes were marked by the blood of lambs painting their doorposts with blood. That night, they would be delivered out of Egypt, washed through the parting of the Red Sea, brought out of captivity, and fed by bread that comes from heaven. That's incredible. That was that night. This Passover meal that began this whole evening, this Passover meal that started this amazing rescue of God, begins with this Passover meal. God commanded Israel, I want you to always keep this feast because I want you to always remember what happened on this night. You, you're not gonna even believe what's gonna happen, let alone your children, but I want you to keep this feast forever. Always remember my rescue. And so they did, that they would never forget God's great love for them. Never forget that. There's Passover. Now jump forward to the upper room with Jesus and his disciples celebrating the Passover meal. That same feast that God's people were always to remember, always to celebrate. Jesus is now in the upper room with these Jews, Jesus a Jew with his Jews, his disciples, celebrating this Passover meal on the day that we now call Maundy Thursday. Not Monday, Thursday, like my kids like to say, but Maundy, referring to the mandate or the command that Jesus gave his disciples to love one another, and to do this in remembrance of me. But before this meal, before this Passover meal began, there was a washing. We just read about it. But typically, if there's a washing, there's a servant who washes. So you can just imagine being in the upper room when this ceremonial washing is supposed to happen, and who's going to assume that role? Not me. And to their embarrassment, Jesus doesn't hesitate to take off his garment and to 
put on the servant's towel, to humble himself before his disciples and to wash their disgusting feet. This was our Lord. This was love, isn't it? He was demonstrating. He wasn't just talking about it. He was the person of love demonstrating what love looks like to his disciples. Why? That they would never forget God's great love for them. They began the Passover meal. Did you know that on a typical Passover meal, there's four cups of wine? Wow. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? Sounds like a good time. The gospel account picks up this meal at the second cup of wine in this four-cup course. This was the cup of proclamation where the father would explain the significance of the unleavened bread. Dad, why is the bread so flat? He would explain, the father would explain even the lamb, and he would, through these things, retell the story of the blood that was wiped on the doorposts of the home and the lack of time that they had for the bread to rise, this Passover meal. But instead of the traditional explanation that would usually follow the script, at the second cup of wine, Jesus goes way off script. You know what he says? This is my body, which is given for you. In explaining the Passover tradition, Jesus interprets it and says, this is my body given for you. It was the cup of his self-giving love the blood that he was offering. The third cup of wine was called the cup of blessing. We read about it in Luke's account of the supper. And Paul also describes it, if you heard it in our readings in 1 Corinthians 11, this cup of blessing, even Paul refers to it as the cup of blessing. Jesus takes and says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Again, Jesus way off script interpreting this Passover meal, pointing to himself. Or maybe not going way off script at all, but actually revealing the true meaning of this Passover meal in the first place. It was all pointing to one thing, Jesus, God's great love for his people, proven and seen in Jesus. He's revealing that he is the lamb that is to be sacrificed. Jesus is the one whose blood would be poured out and painted over the doorposts of the world. Jesus is the new Moses leading the charge of a new exodus, a new rescue from captivity and sin, from Pharaoh and death into a new life. Jesus is this one who will lead the way. So if you're following, we're at our third cup. There's only one cup left, right? Land the plane. Passover feast, done. But no, this Hallel cup, this last, this fourth cup of praise was not had. And no Passover meal could be complete unless this fourth cup was drunk from. But in the Gospels, if you look, after singing some hymns, likely the Hallel Psalms 116, for example, they got up and went to the Mount of Olives. They didn't have this fourth cup. They got up and went out to the Mount of Olives. There was no fourth cup. The Passover meal was not complete, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. Did Jesus forget something? What was going on? In fact, even after Jesus says of the third cup, I tell you, he says after the third cup, I tell you, I will never drink again 
of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This fourth cup of praise that would signal the completion of the Passover meal was no ordinary cup. Is actually a very costly cup. So costly that this was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying to the Father saying, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but yours be done. This fourth cup, friends, was the cross of Christ. And he would not drink it until his rescue of his people was secured and complete and his kingdom was established. Some came to Jesus on the cross and offered him sour wine to dull the pain, and he waved them off, not gonna have it. And it wasn't until the very end of his suffering, right before he commits his spirit, that Matthew and Mark tell us that wine was offered to Jesus on the cross. John more explicitly records this moment in chapter 19, 28. He says, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, I'm thirsty. So they put a sponge of wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. There's so much in these few words, but perhaps the Passover meal had been completed. It is finished. The fourth cup of the Last Supper was received at the cross, and his suffering was the sacrifice given out of unimaginable love for us. It is finished, what the Lord said. I know I'm jumping ahead to Good Friday, but you can't talk about what's happening here without talking about the cross. Have you seen what the Lord has done here? Out of such great love, he assumed the role of a servant. Let's back up, bathing his disciples' feet. The victim who suffers for us on the cross and a priest whose love transforms his suffering into a self-giving sacrifice for our sake. This is Jesus, servant with a towel, victim on a cross, and priest offering himself. Surely we will be the people that always remember God's great love for us, right? having seen all of this, separated by 2,000 years, maybe from that upper room, maybe it seems a bit tough. But friends, this is that same night. This is the night the Passover of the Lord occurred and began the great exodus of his people. This is the night in the upper room that we are caught up with Jesus and his disciples as he offers his own body and blood to us, bathing us as we come to his table. We are those disciples whose feet need to be washed this night. We are those who are invited to the Passover table to sit beside Jesus. We are those delivered from sin by eating the flesh of the true Lamb of God and drinking the cup of the new covenant in his blood. Friends, tonight, perfect love, like you've not known before perfect love, has set a basin out for us and has set a table out for us. But we can't come to this table unless we are first washed by the Lord. 
How humbling is that? We want to just come to the table and eat. We want to just like taste and see that the Lord is good. But first he invites us to be humbled and to be served by him. By being bathed of our sin. How amazing. How awkward. How humbling. To receive his selfless act of love. May we be found tonight as those who follow the Lord's lead. Who respond to his invitation. Whose love for others resembles... Whose, those, let's, may we be those people whose love for others resembles the love that the Lord has given to us this night. May we, may we be so marked by this encounter with the foot-washing Lord and the self-offering Lord that we would be those people that go into the world and are known as his disciples by the way that we love. Let's take a moment as we prepare to have our feet washed, as we welcome the kids back in. Kids, come on in. We're going to be washed and fed by the love of God this night in the body and blood of Jesus. I just want to give you a few words of instruction about how we're going to do this. I've asked um, some of our key leaders in our church to come and uh, wash your feet with me um, because for us as servant leaders, there's not a more perfect or clear example about what it means to lead in God's kingdom than to assume the role of the servant as a servant leader and wash feet. So um, we're going to have uh, our leaders set up these stations here. Um, just a word of advice, it makes it a lot easier for us and for you if you take off your shoes where you're seated and come forward either in your socks or your bare feet. Um, and there will be seats that will free up and uh, you can just find a seat. Someone will be here washing your feet. I'm gonna wash our leader's feet first and then I'm gonna turn and invite the rest of you to have your feet washed by then, okay? You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.